This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Fisher-Price issued a recall for one of its most popular baby products, the Rock and Play Sleeper. Parents seemed to love this soft reclining sleeper that vibrated while playing music, thus soothing infants to sleep. The American Academy of Pediatrics urged the Consumer Product Safety Commission to issue a recall after consumer reports noted that 32 infant deaths were linked to the rock and play since 2009. The CPSC reported that babies placed in this sleeper who rolled over from their backs onto their stomachs or sides were at risk of suffocating. Fisher-Price had sold about 4.7 million of the product, and while the recall is voluntary, it's asking consumers to stop using the rock and play sleeper immediately and contact them for a refund or a voucher. With more on this story, we are joined on the phone by Dr. Ben Hoffman, Professor of Pediatrics with the Oregon Health and Science University School of Medicine, is also medical director at the Tom Sargent Safety Center and director of the Oregon Center for Children and Youth with Special Health Needs. Also joining us, Chris Gowan, who's an adjunct law professor at American University's Washington College of Law and a partner in the firm of Gowan, Silva, and Winograd. Gentlemen, great to have you with us to start off the segment. Ben, Chris, thank you for your time. Thank you for having us. Thank you both. Ben, you were part of the committee calling for the recall from the medical perspective. I've laid out some of the concerns here, but give us more insight, please. So the the issue is primarily that the we know what a safe sleep space for a baby is, and that's going to be a flat, firm surface. Um, and there are there are guidelines from the Consumer Product Safety Commission in terms of what that should what the requirements are for for the mattresses. Um, and the rock and play sits at an angle. It has a lot of padding, um, and there are a bunch of different models, and the, the amount of padding varies. Um, but because it sits at the angle and has this padding, it presents a fundamental risk to, to infants. Um, around 10 babies a day in the United States die in their sleep. Um, it's, a, it's a much bigger issue than I think a lot of people recognize. We also know that sleep is really, really hard. But products like the Rock and Play that we know may impede the ability of a baby to protect themselves, um, and you brought up the issue of, of infants rolling over and then not being able to get back, um, it's, you know, the, the Rock and Play, in addition to a number of other products that are on the market that really don't conform to what we know to be a safe sleep space, are, are fundamentally dangerous. And it's something that's been on our radar, and we've been yelling around, you know, trying to get people to listen. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it came to the point where before there was proactive action, um, you know, babies died. That's yeah. it's horrible. And, and that's part of the story, uh, Ben, that I think a lot of people, as you said, uh, have concerns about is the fact that this seemingly had been going on for close to a decade uh, where these instances have popped up. And, and it is only now that uh, that something is being done about it. Right. You know, one of the things that happened is that in the process of the, the product being marketed, um, the Consumer Product Safety Commission actually developed a new category um, to allow this product to, to be considered um, it, it, with different uh, criteria than, than other sleep spaces. So, you know, there are criteria for bassinets and cribs, and there was established a new category of inclined or reclined sleeper to accommodate this product. Um, 
it's something that that those of us in the in in the child health world um, had a lot of issues with. Right. Um, and this is something that we, the American Academy of Pediatrics, has spoken to the Consumer Product Safety Commission about previously um, without success. Chris, can you give us your perspective from the legal side about this entire process? And also, I guess, what the liability for Fisher Price is right now? Sure. Absolutely. Happy to do that. The, the, it's an interesting case. The, the recall, first of all, is something that, as you said, Dan, was done voluntarily. And so, therefore, the recall doesn't, uh, doesn't impose liability on uh, Fisher Price. And, but, and it's also not able, you're also not able to use it in, in, as a plaintiff to, to uh, confer liability on, on Fisher Price either. So they can't they can't get out of their liability by using by, by doing a recall, but, but also the other side can't use the recall as evidence for um, for liability. The the issue I, I, there's several issues. I mean, the I think the most uh, interesting issue here is is whether there is um, mis, whether the misuse of the product by the parents uh, does negate the liability of Fisher Price. I mean. As the as the our other guests can can explain that this product has a uh, a buckle and, and a, a snap-in belt and I, and if and I believe that that if you use that properly, the it's going to prevent the baby from uh, from turning over and, then, right. and thus preventing the death. And so that would be you know I think the the two is the two defenses that Fisher Price would have one is you know once they've issued the recall if 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 they can prove that the, the the potential plaintiff was on notice of the recall and received the recall, well, then they may be able to absolve themselves of liability there. And then, two, whether there is a misuse by the plaintiff defense as well. But once again, there is a foreseeability thing, uh, whether it's foreseeable that, that uh, parents would put the child in the, this rocker without uh, snapping them in. Ben, can you address that? Yeah, so I, I'll, I'll be honest. I can't think of a safe way to have an infant sleep in a product like that, um, regardless of the, the use or non-use of the buckle. Um, the issue of sleeping at an incline um, is um, that, 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 that's fundamentally unsafe for infants, even though some infants um, you know, might actually sleep. Parents will, t- will, will say that their infants sleep better if they're sleeping at a recline. Right. Um, it yeah the the um, there's often uh, there's a misguided belief that um, sleeping at an angle will will um, decrease reflux um, uh, acid reflux in in infants which you know and all babies reflux physiologically it's just part of what they do um, there is a, a fair amount of literature and and um, recommendations from both the pediatric gastroenterologists and the the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, the SIDS task force um, that shows that sleeping at that angle at an angle doesn't decrease the risk of reflux and may in fact make it worse. But that's still a that's still a common misperception um, even among a lot of healthcare providers. Right. So um, you know, and we know from other uh, from, from other um, inclined sleep spaces, whether it's swings or car seats, that. 
um, there have, there are a number of adverse events that happen, deaths and 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 significant injuries from being entangled in the straps and that sort of stuff. So I, I would look at this product and say there is I, I cannot think of a safe way to have an infant sleep in an in an incli- reclined inclined sleeper, whether it's the Rock and Play or one of the others on the market, um, unless they were. You know, it, I can't think of a safe way to do it. If it was going to happen, it would require constant supervision uh, by an adult because even going, you know, even leaving the room for five minutes, something untoward can happen. We, um, so. I, I'm sorry. We, we also welcome in at this time Robert Hurley, who's a professor of uh, leading people and organizations at Fordham University's Gabelli School of Business. Robert, great to have you uh, joining us today. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, speaking about the brand itself for for a moment, Fisher Price, obviously one of the the well known and respected brands in this space right now. This news obviously has to taint that, and, and also from the perspective of the general manager of Fisher Price, when when the original recall, were, or I should say, the original notification was put out, the the general manager sent out an email saying that he stood by the safety of the sleeper even though we had seen the evidence that, that some of these deaths had occurred. Yeah. Uh, but can, can I pick up on something? Uh, you know, um, uh, the previous speaker was talking about how he couldn't imagine a safe way to sleep in this, uh, this device. Um, you know, if Fisher-Price is going to retain their, their strong brand name, they can't be producing products that are unsafe. Um, and uh, so there's a real question as to why this design was allowed to go forward, both by Fisher-Price, who obviously should be concerned about safety and their brand reputation, right. and the regulator um, who, who was in charge of this. Uh, it, it sort of begs the question, and I, I'll put a, uh, something else in context. Um, Fisher-Price did a great job of repairing trust after the lead paint problem they had with uh, toys made in China. This repair of trust, I don't see as, as uh, nearly as good. Uh, first of all, the, the video that the company has on uh, explaining this is not the CEO. It's the general manager. Why isn't the CEO making a statement? If this is, I mean, this is, it can't be anything more important than safety with respect to kids' toys. Uh, the other thing is Fisher-Price has had a lot of problems. Their, their stock hasn't done well. They've lost the lead in uh, toys versus Lego and and they slip behind Hasbro. So you could argue that really they're aggressively trying to grow, and that may be part of the problem here, right? If you look at a lot of these companies that have violated trust, Wells Fargo, Barclays, uh, on and on, they're generally preceded by what I call manic growth, unrestrained growth. And so the guardrails start to come off as you try and grow, and maybe safety is one of the guardrails. Chris, I'll let you follow up on that. Yes, uh, you know one of the interesting things, and and if if your listeners, which probably have followed a lot of the the, the pharmaceutical litigation that uh, involved the the Vioxx and the 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 the, the pain drugs with with Merck, you know there the issue was were these drugs causing uh, heart attacks, and did Merck know that they were causing heart attacks and through litigation, there was discovery and emails were found where it was shown that, that the company did know before putting the product on the market that it was a defective product, that it had this serious risk. And so if Fisher-Price, you know, whether Fisher-Price, whether that sort of smoking gun email exists uh, or, or documentation that Fisher-Price knew or should have known, 
that this was a defective product will be a big factor in this case. I think, you know, what I would say to the two other speakers that I think is what I my question would to them would be there are several other products on the market that are almost identical to this rock and play Fisher Price product and so why uh, why is it the Fisher Price product is is being singled out here and not the four moms or other products that okay. are, uh, seem to be also possible? Ben, I'll let you take that one. Yeah, so I I would argue they should all be considered the same. And if this you know then I, and and I'm not an expert in the in the process of regulation, but you know there there is a separate category within um, infant sleep products around the reclined sleepers, and I think that there is a that there there should be a call to the Consumer Product Safety Commission to address this across the board because you're right, it's not just this specific product. Eight four four Wharton is the number if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. Eight four four nine four two seven eight six six, or if you'd like, send us a comment on Twitter at BizRadio one thirty two or my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney twenty one. Joined on the phone by Dr. Ben Hoffman of the Oregon Health and Science University School of Medicine, Chris Gowan uh, at American University, Robert Hurley from Fordham University. Robert, you mentioned uh, about the, the the lack of trust or the loss of trust. I, I guess the question off of that also. with what you said about the CEO not making a statement is whether or not we see leadership change within this company moving forward. Well, actually, not only moving forward, if you look at the, if you go on their website and you look at the the top team, many of those people are new. Uh, If you go back even 15 years, uh, Fisher Price in the past 15 years has had a number of situations where the CEO was only in the job uh, for less than a year. So this is a company that has, as I would say, in some sort of turmoil, even before this uh, rock and play problem. Right. So, um, uh, and you know, maybe often what you see happens is when a company's stock price is declining, they look to bring on a, a, an aggressive group that wants to grow earnings, and uh, they start to uh, change the culture and be more aggressive. And sometimes, I'm not saying that's the case here, but sometimes what happens is the concern about growth uh, trumps concern about safety or compliance. Um, and, you know, you see this in a lot of these companies. Uh, uh, and so, you know, you can step back and put this in a more sort of sociological uh, macro business perspective and say, is it possible that sometimes these these betrayals of trust, these these the, the pain that's inflicted on stakeholders is a side effect of uh, of uh, manic growth, which is driven by the stock market and the desire to grow uh, the stock price. Um, so you know, they, definitely they've had a lot of turnover in their executive ranks over the past fifteen years. You know, and so you could argue that if they want to repair trust, one thing they might do is they might actually consider uh, cha- bringing in a new CEO. Uh, who who has a record around quality and safety and so on and so forth. Um, you know, it's a paradox, right? Growth versus safety. Uh, growth versus stability. So many times when we run companies, we don't balance that paradox. We skew to one uh, end of the continuum, right? and it creates problems. Ben, then when you look at this entire process, and obviously as we mentioned uh, with Dr. Ben Hoffman, part of the group that, that uh, really was pushing for this, what failed in the process to not take this product off the market sooner? 
I, I don't know. Um, I think it is there, there, this, there are a number of products um, out there from crib bumpers to infant walkers as, as other examples that, that have no fundamental benefit um, and pose real measurable risk to kids that get marketed on a regular basis. Um, there are a number of products that are produced for use in car safety seats that are not um, that, that are specifically recommended against using by the car seat manufacturer that are that are sold literally across the aisle from the car safety seat. Um, you know, I, I don't it, I'm not an expert in business. I don't know what the, the landscape is and, and you know how this plays into the, the fundamental business model of a of a juvenile products manufacturer. But you know there there are products that are inherently unsafe that provide no tangible demonstrable benefit that are marketed aggressively on a regular basis. I think you walk into any baby store and you look at how the cribs are displayed. There are blankets and bumpers and all sorts of stuff that that clearly go against what we know to be a safe sleep environment for a newborn, for a baby. Robert? Um, You know, uh, there's a tension here. Uh, We, we in many, many industries, have not got the the regulatory situation squared away properly. Um, You know, regulators, their job is to uh, create stability and safety and to act as a countervailing force versus commercial interests that would want to innovate perhaps in reckless ways. Uh, those regulators have to have teeth because they, their job is to create a trustworthy market. Absent that, it's everybody on your own. And here's the problem. Here's why we need regulators. And this is true in the financial area and it's true in consumer products. Regular people are not going to read the fine print. They're busy. Parents are going to put that kid in there and, and not realize how critical that, that strap is, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so we need a regulator to say, hey, wait a minute. This doesn't really work in a safe manner in the real world. You need to change your design or you need to not market this product. By the way, the other thing that's fascinating about this, it's more tragic than fascinating, is there were retailers like Target and Walmart advertising this product that you could put a child in and sleep overnight, nighttime sleeping. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and there's pictures of mom, you know, and the image looks like it's nighttime with the baby next to the bed uh, putting the, the, the child to bed. So this has been marketed in, in unsafe fashion. And the regulators should be held to account that they allowed that to happen. Chris, you know, with effective oh. regulation, that doesn't happen. Chris, your thoughts? Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is. I, I think this situation is is a lot different than the the, the Joe Camel, where you had this uh, this playful Mickey Mouse looking character mm-hmm. on a pack of cigarettes that was uh, trying to attract young people to smoke cigarettes. This this product does have a fundamental benefit to parents as a as a parent of two under two right now, I can, I can say this with utter confidence that, you, you know, the, the, there were studies about five, ten years ago that started coming out that the more you can replicate the in utero experience for a child, the, the less likely they are to cry and the more comfortable they are as a child. And so companies, Fisher Price and many others, have been producing products that help create that experience, the, the wrap, the 
the well, I call it the straight jacket at our house, but the, um, the the different products that are out there, they do provide a fundamental benefit to parents and kids. Um, and you know, they this strap situation, they put in this strap that would, you know, if you use the strap properly, the child isn't going to turn around. But I think the point that that it is being marketed somewhat as uh, um, where you can, as a device you sleep in is a problem because it is. I think it is not meant at all to be a product that a baby should be sleeping in, and that that is uh, a, a, an interesting situation here. But I don't know that it is uh, sort of as unethical and uh, kind of inflammatory trying to drive the stock price situation as, as some are painting it. It is, um, but it, but there, you know, and I think there, there's a lot to be learned here about this case and what what Fisher Price's knowledge was uh, going back before the product was released to the market. Ben, so um, I, I I agree with that. You know, the, in in uh, Australia and Great Britain, my understanding is that this these products were not allowed to be marketed, and in Canada. Um, they are marketed as soothers, but not at all as a sleeper. Um, you know, I, and, and the, the, the comment about, you know, as a pediatrician, I'm also a father, like sleep is a really hard thing. It is really, really, really hard. I, there's a, there's a fundamental issue with the perception of risk, I think, from the public, um, justifiably. We don't hear about all of the sleep-related deaths that happen, but it is, it, as I said earlier, it's 10 babies a day. That's a school bus approximately every week. Um, and if wow. you think about that as a public health issue, um, you know, anything that makes it more comp- anything that, that, facilitates unsafe sleep is going to put babies at risk. And I think, you know, I know that there are my, my own particular area of, of, of real expertise is in, in child passenger safety and car seats. We know that car seats work. We have laws about restraint for individuals in motor vehicles. I know there are babies who don't like being in their car seat and they fuss and they're grumpy. That, you know, because of that, that, that is not justification for a parent to say they don't like the baby doesn't like being in their car seat. It makes it harder to drive. Therefore, I'm not going to use it. I'm just going to carry the baby on my lap. Um, you know that. Absolutely. It, it, right. So we, we need we need to understand the the magnitude of the problem and the risk involved, um, and recognize that just because a, a product exists to try and solve a problem doesn't mean that it's an okay product if it puts babies in danger. Robert. Yeah, you know, so Fisher-Price is a well-known company. They've been around for a long, long time. They're marketing products that children rest slash sleep in. They should be experts in safety with respect to that, right? Uh, I, so that's to, for me, that's the high bar, which is if you're going to be a great company, you need to know more than anyone else about child safety with respect to resting and sleeping. And given that, I really have to wonder, what was the organizational process that led them to decide that, yes, parents would love this because they want to get some rest also, but is the risk worth it? Right. And, you know, I I would think that they would have, uh, it surprises me that they made a decision to market this product. And the fact that if they didn't, someone else would, to me, is not an ethical answer. Right? If you're 
if you're Fisher Price, you need to have a higher standard. And, and Chris, I, I would imagine that that understanding of what the thought process was for for Fisher Price uh, would potentially be a very valuable tool that we may very well see in uh, in civil suits that would be coming forward. Absolutely. I mean, the, the discovery responses that Fisher Price will have to produce in these lawsuits. Uh, will we'll really make or break these cases and, and tell you what they did know. And, I mean, to the point Dan was raising about, you know, comparing this to a car seat thing, I mean, there's, there's, there's no question that a, that, that a parent who, with a car seat realizes no matter what's going on, we've got to strap the kid in and, and because it's a moving vehicle. Whereas right. to, I, I would probably I think it's arguable that it's quite foreseeable that parents would not have that same feeling when they're using this baby rocker that's being marketed as a sleeper that that it'd be foreseeable for Fisher Price to realize that they're probably going to put the child in without a strap and and if and if the Dan is right that even with the strap the product still presents a risk and and that's a risk that they knew or should have known uh, prior to the, the release on the market they're they're going to have a major problem, and and uh, and I imagine a few other companies will too. And, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Gentlemen, I have to end it there. Thank you very much for all of your insight. Greatly appreciate it, and we will stay in touch with you all. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, dear. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a great day. Well. Thank you. Dr. Ben Hoffman at the Oregon Health and Science University School of Medicine, Chris Gowan at American University's uh, Washington College of Law, and Robert Hurley at Fordham University's Gabelli School of Business. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 